Polson. Unfortunately, no Tyler this evening as he is uh, recovering from, from some illness. So we hope he gets to feeling better so he can uh, get back on the pod next week. Uh, but uh, Corbin, how are we doing? Doing good. I have a short week this week, heading out to California for some vacation uh, on Thursday afternoon. So just counting down the minutes till I get to unplug from work and go enjoy life, uh, you know, away from the desk. So yeah, pretty excited. How about yourself? Yeah, doing good. I'm not going to California, but <laughs> otherwise I'm, I'm doing all right. Just make sure you come back, uh, unlike some other people that went out there and stayed. So This is true. I will not be living in California. You can bank <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> A great place to visit. We'll yes. leave it at that. Um, well, we've got some different things to talk about this evening. Uh, we'll start with football because, of course, that's that's king and everyone's interest level is, is pretty heightened right now, specifically around the spring game and uh, some of the uh, different things that have been floating around, specifically from Brent Venables around the attendance. And I think they're really starting to, I guess, take notice of where this thing is trending. We've heard some numbers as far as you know how many tickets have been sold. Um, just based on our connections into the ticket office and our time working in the university. It's not really our information to share necessarily, but um, I would say it's probably trending in the right direction, but I don't know. Everyone's got some, some wild expectations. I don't know that we're going to be matching, you know, a sellout type of experience though. It would kind of take a perfect storm, I think, to get one. I think it has to be beautiful weather, which is certainly going to be in doubt in late April. Um, And I think, I mean, it's not, unfair to assume that the majority of ticket sales is probably going to come within the next week and a half of anything like people aren't going to be there's no rush to buy spring game tickets and so uh, there you go Adam yeah Hardy i haven't bought mine yet <laughs> yep. uh, but uh but yeah so it's like i think the the number that we know is probably higher than i would have anticipated which i think is strong um and so i think they'll get to a good number but i don't i'm with you i don't think this will be a sellout crowd or anything like that we kind of took this info to Twitter yesterday and got actually a ton of responses just asking people what they expected. Um, but first we, we gave them, hey, here's the baseline. Here's what OU had pulled the previous three years that we had actually had a spring game at full capacity. Uh, so 2017, 43,000, uh, 52,000 in 2018. And then in 2019, 50,000 uh, to 28. So I think 60 seems like a reasonable number to, to get to. If you get 60, I think that makes a really packed uh, lower bowl. You may even open the uh, west side upper deck for some overflow option, but I, I just don't feel that we're going to be able to break much more than 60. Are you are you buying that? Do you think that's reasonable or, or what are you expecting? I'm kind of thinking it goes higher. Maybe I got my my blinders on, but again, it all comes down to weather. If it If it's a nice weather day, I think that number can be higher. Um, but I mean, you also have to take into account, like it's just the spring game and I get everybody loves Baker, but I mean, it's a, it's a Heisman statue unveil. How much does that really like draw? I don't know. I can see it getting up, up to 70 if they're just really get some, some passion behind it kind of in the next week or so. Um, you know, they've done a pretty good job, I think on the social media side, trying to push it as much as they can. Um, but I mean, outside, I think the, the, the new coach um, kind of excitement has, has waned. So that's not really a reason to, to get people out. There's not a quarterback controversy. So what is it? What's outside of just sheer fandom? What is it that's really going to pull people out? And I don't know that there's that big hook there that's really going to snag an extra 15,000 people. Yeah. And it's interesting because Venable says, Hey, we need the best from our fans. The best yeah. is the standard. And when I hear that, I think that's awesome. Like I'm willing to make, you know, those sacrifices to, you know, spend some money, a uh, time out of my day, whatever it might be. Now it's a little bit easier for me as a sacrifice because I live in the Oklahoma city area. Uh, but I, I, it's just funny that he's saying, Hey, we need your best and I'm, I'm all for it, but are we going to get the best game? Are we going to get the best entertainment aspect? And, um, I just don't think we will. And I think people don't really know what they're signing up for other than just, Hey, uh, a dress rehearsal type of situation. That's not all that interesting. I do think it'll be the most competitive spring game and hardest hitting spring game we've probably had in a while. Um, and so I think that is something to look forward to, but I mean, you had this on the script, Adam, and I, I thought this was really interesting is, is like as an out of towner, someone who I can make it to OKC pretty easy. Like that's a pretty easy flight, not overly expensive, you know, maybe 400 round trip. What would pull me to the spring game, 
I don't know if there is anything, to be totally honest. Outside of us like celebrating a, a national championship that we had won three months prior, I don't know if there's anything, and even that, I don't know if there's anything that, you know, would pull me in as an out-of-towner to come to Norman. I just don't think there's anything there. It's just a spring game at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you would have to have, oh, I'm going to visit family. I'm just happened to do it at the same weekend right. or maybe uh, a tailgate get together with old college friends, something like specifically planned outside of the game. Sure. Um, I think one thing that they could do, and it may be a difficult challenge with the number of people that you have, but uh, maybe have it act as a seat relocation type event uh, for season ticket holders that would draw more people in, uh, especially that are from further distances out that want to check out different seat locations, things like yeah. that. Um, so having some some draw for that, and you're probably getting bigger and more donations during that time period as well. But yeah, there's really not not a natural draw um, for you as an out of towner to to make that journey, or maybe someone from Dallas or Houston or people that would normally come out to a regular season game. Um, but I will say though, I mean, if you get just a handful of the OU alum between Tulsa and Dallas, you could fill that stadium easily. And it's not yeah. let's not pretend that the ticket prices are anything that you know that are going to cost you much. So. That's, I yeah. think that's the one thing that kind of gives me hold up is like, wait, why can't it be a sellout when, you know, our home base is like, if, if anybody made any sort of sacrifice to drive a couple hours, like it's very easy to do. Yeah. And the, the whole cost uh, situation that's going on. I hate it when people say that, oh, if it was just free, if it was free, then people would show up. That's absolutely untrue. Yep. Ohio State charges, I think, $7 uh, general admission. So that's $3 less than OU. It's not like that's breaking the bank somewhere where someone's you know, paying that, not going for $10. And Ohio State has had crowds of over 90000 mm -hmm. They are in a much more populated state, but that's a bigger stadium. So OU could certainly do it. $10 is nothing. Like yeah. It's not a barrier to entry, really. Well, and Ty Tyler could verify this back from our marketing days. Whenever we gave out free stuff at OU Games, those were the times we got the most freaking complaints. We could have charged a dollar for the same item that we gave away free, and like people would appreciate the dollar <laughs> item more just because it felt like it was more valuable. The second you start making stuff free, everybody complains about it even more. Yeah, and it just devalues the product that you have. Yeah. So, you know, stand behind what you have. Make sure that there's value there. Um, we're, we're, we're former sports professionals, so we have a little bit different mindset than maybe someone that just wants to get Fair. in for free. But, um, but yeah, th I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that goes. And we'll probably know the, uh, I think the 10-day forecast, we'll know here in a couple of days what that yeah. Saturday is starting to look like. So if it is good weather, I mean, certainly 70s within uh, the realm of possibility, in my opinion. But right now, I'm... I'm feeling a little bit more like 60 is probably what I'm looking at. Let me ask if they, if it isn't a sellout and that neither one of us think it's going to be, I mean, does the, does the OU fan base get a talking to by Brent after the game, about how it wasn't our best. Like, I'm just kind of curious. That's, that's a really big deal for him. And so if his first impression of being the head coach in Norman doesn't kind of meet his standard, I'm kind of curious to what he'd say about that. I wonder if we get something like 6570 and that can fill up a lot of space even though the stadium holds 80,000. Sure. 60,000 60, I think there's probably been some games in the past where we've had 60 65,000 scans actual for a game <laughs> and it still looks pretty full. It's a sellout. So Adam. <laughs> it's it's a sellout. People will will spread out, you know, they don't have to uh, sit right on top of each other. So I think the attendance number might get quietly, you know, pushed aside and it's more of pictures and images. Look, we packed the palace type of yeah. thing. Um, but I, I think it'll be enough. And I think Venables will, will spin it, but he may still say, Hey, this was good. We need to go to great. Yeah. Um, the same message that he's given to his team right now. So, yeah. um, and obviously in the fall, the games will be sold out, but it'll be more of a, Hey, we need you to be involved. We need you to be on your feet. We need you to be yelling and screaming and so on and so forth. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. The uh, second thing that we wanted to, to chat about here uh, about football really was just some Dylan Gabriel talk. Um, Corbin, you mentioned to me before we hit record that there's just really no one talking about Dylan Gabriel, mm -hmm. mainly because there's no quarterback competition. There's really no measuring stick. There's, I mean, there's a true freshman that certainly needs some work. You've got a, a walk on behind him and then uh, Malachi uh, Bowens, who or Micah Bowens, excuse yep. me. I keep, I always flip his name back and forth. Micah <laughs> Bowens, who I don't know. There's been a little bit of buzz, some rumors that he might be the number two guy right now. I was mocked for that a couple months back. I don't think it'll, I still don't think it'll stick, 
But, uh, you know, there are some rumors about that. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, but Dylan Gabriel, like, yeah, there's just no measuring stick there to say whether he's, he's good or bad. And I, I'm kind of curious, Corbin, like, what, do you have any type of expectation as far as what type of player you think he'll be as far as success? That's a great question. It's so hard to put a, I don't know, it feels like an entire chapter of like these elite Heisman winning quarterbacks at Oklahoma. Like, it's not that we're not getting high end guys. I think we've proven we are going to continue to do that, but it kind of seems like that, that, that chapter's closed. And so then you're just kind of like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's unknown territory. I think for a lot of OU fans of like what to expect with a guy who has no expectations. And so I really, I really don't know, Adam, just to be totally honest, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I think we, we've seen him, he, we've seen him be really, really good. And we've seen him be pretty bad. And so um, I, I really don't know. That's a big jump to go from a group of five to a power five school. Certainly when we've got a list here, I know I'm sure you're going to walk through, but like certainly there are exceptions to people who've done well. But for, like, for the most part, I'm looking at this list. And I'm like, not a good track record of other quarterbacks who've tried to make this jump. Yeah. So I, I was curious about that. I was like, how many guys have gone from the group of five school to a power five school as a specifically as a quarterback? It seems like a pretty difficult thing to do. And how many of them have had um, any type of success? Now, the track record is not super big simply because the transfer portal is brand new. So we're going to see this happen probably a lot more and have a little bit more consistent uh, you know, data to go on. But just looking at some of the names that that came to mind here, uh, Derek King went from Houston to Miami, was a pretty great player at Houston, although his teams really didn't accomplish all that much. In 2018, I think was his best year. The team went eight and five. Major Applewhite got fired. And uh, then he uh, played a few games in 2019 and transferred to the U, Miami, and was talked about a ton. People thought yeah. he was going to raise their ceiling, but... I have no idea he, why he had, he had some injury issues, I think a little bit, but overall he was solid, but really didn't raise their profile at all. They were kind of what they were uh, before he got there. Yeah. So the, uh, the other guy that really stood out there also was Gardner Minshew, who was at uh, ECU was going to transfer to Alabama with the expectation that he really wasn't going to be able to play. And then Mike Leach swooped him up to Washington state. And I think he probably had the most success out of anybody Washington state had had some success before he got there, but I think he did raise their profile. Like they were a p- potential fringe playoff uh, candidate that year until I think they lost the the season finale against Washington in the apple cup, but he finished top 10 in the Heisman voting is in the NFL right now. So yeah. th- I think that's probably best case scenario is 10 wins, you know, helps, helps the team reach new heights. Although that's kind of what OU was last year at the same time. Well, I think the only thing to, you know, kind of counteract, make an exception. I mean, you look at these places they've transferred to Miami, South Carolina, Florida State, Michigan State, Kansas, Washington State, NC State. I mean, none of those teams have anywhere close to the talent that should be in a place like Norman. So you would think if a guy can come in and just simply be solid, that this can be an automatic Big 12 title contender, probably Big 12 title favorite and a fringe playoff team. You know, whether that ends up being true or not, it will be interesting. I mean, there's only one way to find out, and that's going to be here in a few months. But yeah, it's just, it's it's almost kind of a, again, going back to, we've never really been in this spot. And so it's just kind of like an unknown territory. You know, uh, Dylan wasn't like, you know, a, a high-end prize recruit type of thing, you know, coming in like a, a five-star like we've had multiple times in the past few years. So there's just a ton of question marks. And again, it going back to kind of mentioned uh, when we said for the podcast, nobody's talking about him because he is going to be the starter, whether he is good or bad, he's going to be the starter. And so we just kind of have to wait and hope that he takes the reins. And uh, a big question for me, I think on, on him is going to be, can he stay healthy? Um, Because I think we've all heard enough by now. We're like, what is behind him probably isn't very strong. So I think we kind of ride or die on his health and his, um, you know, obviously ability to, to put up good numbers and win games. Yeah. One thing that I noticed when looking at a lot of these guys that transferred, um, even some of the other ones that weren't successful, like a Jason Bean who went from North Texas to, to Kansas, or, um, maybe a Ryan Finley who went from Boise state to NC state. Although I guess you could say he had some, some good success. He was drafted in the NFL, but most of those guys went from, you know, really high touchdown numbers to, 
probably they they lost you know 33 percent of those touchdown numbers now their interceptions stayed relatively the same mm-hmm. so that's i think an encouraging you know track record there that you know dylan gabriel has his, his touchdowns might go down but his interceptions aren't necessarily going to go up if if that track record proves true um so there's there's some things to look at there now if we say gardner Minshew is kind of the benchmark, the expectation, which I think is pretty high. I think that was a pretty successful transfer that, you know, story that he had. If Dylan Gabriel matches Gardner Minshew, is that considered a success or is that kind of expectation? That's a great question. It's it's hard to kind of put that around because I don't, I mean, I wouldn't put the Pac-12 in the Big 12 category right now as far as just sheer quality of teams. Um, And maybe, maybe it's not fair to say exactly because, Washington State winning ten games and being a playoff contender yeah, is above you know their head and what their typical program looks like. So maybe maybe we're saying, hey, just make the playoffs. I think that's that's probably yeah, reasonable. I mean, saying, if hey, that's Gabriel can lead us to the playoffs. I think we'd all be thrilled with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I don't necessarily see that happening. I think we're a Big Twelve title contender. I think that's kind of the ceiling of this team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and how that develops throughout the season, because I think it is something that's pretty interesting. Uh, You know, if Gabriel goes out there and has us win the big 12, that could quite possibly be the most successful G five to P five transition a quarterback has ever had. Um, Because it will take a, you know, a great effort from him, even despite all the extra talent. Do you have any, like any thoughts on like what numbers you would expect, like take away the wins and losses. If he threw for X, this many touchdowns, like that'd be pretty solid, you know, first year Norman. Yeah, I, I would say probably twenty seven plus touchdowns would be would be great. Yeah. Running um, and throwing? I would say just passing in that situation. I, I think we might not see him I would like to say we won't see him run that much simply because you, you mentioned the injury concerns and nothing being behind him, but Jeff Levy's offenses have had running quarterbacks quite a bit. Uh, Matt Corral took a beating last year. Um, so I, I don't know how much he'll actually, how, how much he'll actually run there. And then I, I think it'll be interesting to see too, because Jeff Levy is more reliant on the running game. So how many opportunities are there going to be for passing yards, passing touchdowns, um, things like that. So it'll be a little bit different offense that we're just not used to. Yeah. So, I mean, if you take those numbers, um, let's go back to Spencer Rattler, 2020, uh, 3,000 yards passing, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Certainly a lot of that success came later on in the year. And that was in 10, 11 games, I think. That instead was of, in... If it was 2020, there was only... 2020 was less games, yeah. Yeah, so there was a couple... Or yeah, a few, so I couple, mean, if you can games, at minimum match his success from 2020, which I don't think any of us would consider... We I think we all thought it was... A, it, it ended solidly for Spencer Rattler in 2020. Yeah. But, I mean, I think all of us get, were left wanting more, I think, out of that season. So if you consider that the baseline, um, you know, maybe those expectations are low. Maybe they should be higher. Yeah. I would say that that would be a good season, just knowing that, hey, you've got better defense around you at this point. You've probably got just better overall team. You don't have guys, knock on wood at this point, suspended for the first yeah. six games of the season. So you might be better set up for success and not have to have as many passing yards trying to come back to win a game, uh, being up, you know, more or less. So I kind of wish we had Tyler on for, for this last question on Dylan Gabriel, because uh, you know, he would have a strong opinion, but uh, Spencer Sanders is, is Dylan Gabriel right now. If, if you had to rank them today, is he ahead of Spencer Sanders? Because I will say Spencer Sanders has done something that Dylan Gabriel has not to this point in his career. And that's take his team to a conference championship game. I think I think you can say you can say right now that Spencer Sanders is better than Dylan Gabriel, but it doesn't mean you would pick him to necessarily lead your team. I think both those themes can coexist. And so I would say yes, like on paper, Spencer Sanders has much more of a background and much more success than what Dylan Gabriel has. Does that mean I'm going with everything else considered full team coach all that does that mean i'm going to take spencer sanders in a head-to-head matchup no so i think those are two things that can coexist is like on paper versus reality do you agree i would agree and it's kind of an interesting argument to just looking at the rest of the big 12 there's not a lot of quarterbacks that i would necessarily even consider 
ahead, but at the same time, I still want to see Dylan Gabriel against a power five schedule to really say with a ton of confidence. Like I'm not betting a lot of money on this necessarily, but I mean, Quinn Ewers has all the talent in the world. We haven't seen him play at the college level. Uh, We don't know who TCU is going to start. Baylor's kind of got some guys that are solid. They're not going to be great. Probably they have a, they have a defined ceiling. Mm -hmm. Texas tech doesn't know who they're going with. K state has Adrian Martinez has a ton of experience. Hasn't really done anything with it uh, in his time at Nebraska. Sure and then, good Norman last year. <laughs> he sure did. Um, and then outside of that, though, I mean, it's it, who knows who's starting at Kansas, Iowa State, West Virginia. So yep. it's very possible Gabriel could be the best quarterback in the league. Well, what's interesting, and I was just out of sheer curiosity, I hate to do this to myself. I mean, you look at a few of the quarterbacks Bama has had and they, who they won a national championship with, and you look last year, like Georgia just won with Stetson Bennett, a quarterback who had uh, less than 3,000 yards passing, 29 touchdowns and seven interceptions for a college. Like, that's just pretty kind of like, it's good. You know, nothing elite there. So it's not like, now granted, some of those Bama and obviously last year's Georgia defenses were just absolutely ridiculous. Yep. But, you know, you don't need, it helps, but you don't need a strong elite quarterback to win a conference, get in the playoff, win a national championship. It's been proven. Yeah. I don't want to go down that road too much because <laughs> this team winning a championship, I don't know if I can no, can get there. there. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about a team that does have a real shot at winning a national championship, and that yeah. is the uh, OU softball. And they had probably the best weekend of the season so far, absolutely annihilating uh, Texas Tech out in Lubbock. It's unreal. Every time you feel like this team has kind of like hit their ceiling, hit their stride, like they come out and just do something stupid the next time they hit the mound. So uh, 36-0 and on the year, best start to a season in softball history, a uh, sweep putting it lightly against the Red Raiders, outscoring them 43 to nothing. I mean, like that's rigging the uh, the sliders, you know, in the, the PS3 NCAA football game, trying to just completely rack up as many points as you possibly can. But Adam we kind of hinted at this all year long. Here comes Texas, right? Uh, at Texas this weekend, Texas anywhere between 15 and 18, kind of depending on the polls you're looking at. Uh, they are 14 and one in their last 15, that lone loss coming to Louisiana. And they're 19, one and one in their last 21 games. So this you know, coming in playing Texas, they're playing very, very well. The one thing though, that I think helps OU in a, in a sense of who are real contenders in the Big 12 to compete with them are your two biggest rivals. You're not going to come in sleepwalking regardless of the records against Texas and Oklahoma State. And I think that is shown true year after year after year. This is not the first time that Oklahoma State and Texas have been good. Um, but, you know, Texas is playing well. If OU doesn't come in and play well, they will they have a chance to lose. Um, but if this team puts together their A game, you would think they go through and they, they handle business down in Austin. Texas is not ranked as highly as Oklahoma State right now. Oklahoma State, I think, is number six. Texas is maybe, they're having a good year. I would say maybe slightly below what their expectations were coming into the mm-hmm. season. I think they were they number were top 10. Top five. Top five? Okay. Yeah, they were so, high, so, high. Okay, so they're a little bit lower than that. But this game, or this series is on the road in Austin versus the Oklahoma State series being at Marita Hines Field. Mm-hmm. Would you consider this the tougher series of those two still remaining? You think oh, OSU, OSU still? seems okay. to play well in Austin over the past few years. Uh, yeah. I think they enjoy going down there and playing. And you know, I mean, I mean, I guess you you think it probably is a little bit more of a, a rowdier environment. Uh, you look at like last year, OU dropped a game in Stillwater, and that that place was pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I I think it's kind of level playing field because we we also we know Texas fans, um, and they're not necessarily the beat your chest, get loud type of fans. We know this. And so I think it's kind of a wash. I think you're probably playing a slightly better team at home um, in Oklahoma State. But, you know, I think it's kind of even. In my, in, my, in my honest opinion, I think it's kind of an even as far as toughness. Yeah. It's interesting. And Texas Tech is not a very good measuring stick. <laughs> They're not a very good program on the softball diamond. But hitting 17% of your total season home runs in the last three games that you played – is crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, the OU has three uh, three hitters in the top 10 in the entire country in home runs hit. Um, and I and there was a whole bunch of other stats. Uh, Ryan Aver tweeted them out. Go check that out. He had a ton of really good stats on that. softball. Yep. Essentially just saying, you know, hey, whatever 
the national next, you know, next highest team. Oh, he's basically double that in a lot of categories or significantly higher in a lot of categories. It is, it is insane how dominant this team is and they've played. I I don't think it's the toughest schedule by any stretch, but it's not the easiest either. Um, They have played some very good teams along the way and uh, getting across Texas here um, will certainly go a long ways because then you can start talking about breaking some records and we don't want to, you know, jinx anything necessarily. Um, they've got some tough games, Texas, um, you know, series right here, Oklahoma state to, to end the yep. year. But if they can get past Texas, then we're looking at, uh, on the road next uh, midweek game at North Texas, you're breaking the school record for, uh, consecutive wins. Yep. And then I think the weekend following that at Kansas, um, you're looking at, uh, the other record for, uh, the, for the overall sport in CAA consecutive wins. Yep. Unfortunately, the schedule worked out where both of those games are going to fall on the road. So OU fans aren't going to be able to celebrate that if it were to happen, uh, in Norman, but both of those are in sight and I, you got to get past this weekend first, really tough matchup here. Yeah. And I walk back my statement just a little bit because I will say an Oklahoma state dropped a game to Iowa state this past weekend. Um, Iowa state's 19 and 20 on the year. So I will say I think Oklahoma State's a tad more talented, but at least since about kind of, I don't know, after conference play-ish, Texas has been more consistent. They've got some quality wins under the belt since they've uh, kind of had a really slow start. Again, have lost one game in their past, you know, uh, 21 games. So they played really well, and there's some quality wins where you look at Oklahoma State, they're, they're winning, but then you've got losses to UT Arlington. Strange. You've got losses to, as I mentioned, Iowa State strange um you know you're going down to baylor and you're winning two nothing uh so there's just kind of some big question marks in there as far as they seem very inconsistent up there in Stillwater. so it'll be interesting to kind of see how it all plays out but adam you're spot on you get through this weekend and all of a sudden that that maybe they don't feel pressure maybe this team is that talented they've been there they've won national championships the idea of a perfect season maybe that doesn't affect them um but that seems unhuman. And at times I understand this team may look unhuman, but at some point that has to kind of creep up in your back of your mind. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they handle it, but you're spot on. If they get through Austin this weekend with, with unblemished record again, everything's in front of them as far as not only national championships, but potentially being perfect in doing so. Do you think that's like, you, you think that's a, I don't want to say possibility, but this team is so dominant right now. It would be incredible if they were to go through the entire World Series not losing a game. I, that would be... It'd be crazy. I, I almost don't even think that's possum, possible. I can't really fathom that. That would be like, I don't even, maybe even harder than going 19-0 in the NFL. It's just, that's ridiculous. It would be stupid. That's for, for damn sure. Um, but you, who, no. who can't they beat? They like, would get the best draw as far as like a regional and a super yeah. regional... I, I wouldn't think they would lose in the regional or super regional. Yeah. Unless, but, I mean, they would have to have, well, let me ask you this. Let's play a hypothetical. What's more likely this team doesn't win a national championship or this team goes undefeated. I would have to say that they, it's probably more likely that they don't win the national championship. It's interesting. Cause I can't yeah. like at this point, I can't see this team not winning a national championship. Yeah, but man, going going perfect, like especially once you get into that pressure cooker, even though it's right up the road in Oklahoma yep. City for you, um, that's tough. And yeah. we saw that team battle some adversity last year, uh, nearly getting knocked out. Um, sure. They were on the ropes uh, against James Madison of all schools. Yep. But yeah, I, that's I, that's just so tough. You got so many good teams up there, and it's it's a gauntlet that you got to work through. There's no off games at that point, whereas right now OU gets the off series against Texas Tech. They'll have an off series against KU coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. So it's a little bit different. That's that's going to be incredibly tough to, especially when you know, hey, we've we can we can take a game like we can we don't have to win every single one. But at the same time, this team is complete. Like the pitching staff is that's the difference is significantly better. Yep. Not necessarily like well. Yeah, I'd say Jordy Ball is and Hope Trotwine for sure are mm-hmm. probably just as good, if not better, than uh, G. Juarez was last year. But the idea that you have the depth and the consistency with that right now, because yeah. last year you had Shan Sales was good for some time and then kind of fell off, and Nicole May kind of was young, but um, you never knew what you were going to get. And then Juarez had some off days, and she came back strong in the end to, to get us there. But yeah, this pitching staff is significantly stronger at that's this point. Been, to me, that's been the biggest difference is when 
when the bats went cold last year, this team struggled at times. When it was a low-scoring game, it was a pitching battle, like those were the games where you were just like, oh boy, who, who knows yeah. what's going to happen. Depends on who's on the mound. And it may not even depend on who's, who's on the mound. It's what person that day is going to be on the mound, right? There was about yeah. three different types of uh, Nicole Mays that you could potentially see. Uh, same for Shannon Sale. But having Nicole May as your two or three slot, maybe she might be a three slot right now. I mean... And she's improved a lot. She has. Year, in my opinion. That yeah. is a deep pitching staff. Yeah. And it kind of seems, I'm curious to your thoughts here, Hope Trotwine hasn't pitched a ton. And I wonder if this is one of those situations that we have seen in the past where Patty knows what she has and she's just sitting on her. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that's kind of a, something to keep an eye on. I I have thought that. I've wondered if maybe she's the best pitcher on the staff right now and we just haven't seen enough uh, pitches yet to, yep. to say that. Get Jordy as much action as possible, knowing that hope you're like, you're set, you know what you got there and put Jordy in as many difficult situations because hope we, as we've seen now in softball, you can't win it with one pitcher anymore. Those days are gone. And so I'm, I'm with you on that. I think she may be the number one pitcher and we're just kind of getting her in pieces because she doesn't need that extra experience that Jordy does. Yeah. She, she's got the experience. Jordy, you know, she seems like she's got nerves of steel. She's, battled through some adversity. She's pitched in some of the tougher games that we've played so far, but it's different. It's different when you get to the world series. So it's nice to know that, Hey, you've got two studs right behind her that are going to come in and and do really well that have played in big games before and in big situations. What does help is no, Jordy hasn't necessarily played in the world series, but I mean, she won a national championship, you know, when she was in high school. So that, yeah. and that was on ESPN or ESPN two, one of the two. I remember watching because I was like, you know, hot shot softball player, like on ESPN, like I'll tune in, right? Like that's obviously become a bigger and bigger sport for all OU fans. And yeah, she, I think she stuck out, struck out like 20 something people in the game. So, yeah. you know, it can the stage, will it get bigger? Of course, right? Like there's not a bigger stage in softball than what happens in Oklahoma City. But it's not like we're talking about a girl who hasn't played in equal stage of where kind of she was at age wise. And so it'll be very interesting to see, but I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking like, I wonder if this, you know, I wonder if, if Hope Trotwine is kind of the ace in the bag that Patty's sitting on. And yeah, I, I think we'll see more and more of her in, in postseason. but I going back to the original point, that's the biggest difference in this team compared to last year, winning a national championship. That's the biggest difference is the fact that they have a complete pitching staff. And it's, that's a scary thought when you consider all the bats that are in that lineup. Yeah. Equally as impressive as the hitting is the pitching right now. So mm-hmm. as it stands today, I deem this team inhuman uh, until I see <laughs> something different. But let's talk a little bit about a team that is certainly human. They make uh, quite a few mistakes and that's yep. baseball. Yep. Um, I say that um, after a really solid week, though, two and two again. We sat here uh, last week with Eddie Radosovich and, and basically said the same thing. We would have taken a two and two week going into yeah. Um, you know, the, that, uh, that lineup that they were going to face, uh, one against Oral Roberts, uh, one against, uh, Oklahoma state. Um, I guess they went, uh, yeah, two and two. Yeah. And then lost the, yep. the Saturday and Sunday game against Oklahoma state Saturday, kind of a heartbreaker there being up seven, three, seeing that lead deteriorate the in the eighth, late innings. Right? I think it was the eighth inning. Yeah. Just, it was just slowly just slipping out of the, the grip yeah. there. And then Sunday was really a no contest. Um, they just kind of ran us out the, yep. out the stadium there. So it's so frustrating when you have really great series, I would say, you know, great performance and going into those series against Texas and OSU, you'd say, yeah, give me one and two. That's, that's solid that, you know, we escape with a, a win. We don't get swept and against two teams in the top 10, but you had both of those series won and you couldn't close it out. And so it's so frustrating. It's just like basketball, right? It's like, just like basketball. Porter and Skip must be hanging out way too freaking much <laughs> because these are like yeah. identical seasons that are taking place right now. It, all the way down to the record, like strength of schedule, number two in the nation. RPI, I think they even went up in the RPI uh, yeah. after uh, this week. They're up to number 17. Um, as it stands right now, I think we are beating Texas Tech as we're recording this, eight to five in the end of the fifth. We've had several <laughs> several home runs from, from sure. some guys. But we're, we're fine uh, through the fifth, though. That's the thing. It's okay. Top of the six. It's OU ten, Texas Tech five. So there's there's still a lot of time left. And this is a non-conference game, so it's yeah. it, it would still be important for RPI, but less so for the Big Twelve standings. But yeah, it's like man, you're, you're capable of, of winning some of these series and having a, a resume, you know, signature resume item as far as hey, we beat 
OSU at OSU, or, or we beat Texas in Arlington, something like that to just say, hey, this is why we should be taken a little bit more seriously. We should be on the fringe of the top 25. We should be getting into mm-hmm. some postseason action. I think OU is still relatively safe as a three seed in the tournament. But at the same time, like, OU should be in the tournament every year. I think that should be the standard. It shouldn't be that difficult to do that. Maybe every five years, four years, maybe you have a team that doesn't make it, just like basketball, in my opinion. Um, But you need to be in pretty safely, regardless of how difficult the conference is. Yep. Um, You need to not be making silly mistakes that are letting team back into the game. You need to have consistent, a more consistent pitching product out of the bullpen. It's, 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 it's almost hilarious that on Tuesday nights we're beating Oklahoma state. Uh, we're as it stands, as we record this, we're beating Texas tech. So it's like the bullpen's doing those things, but then on the weekend, the bullpen can't, can't keep a lead. Yeah. So, and especially when skip Johnson is your coach known pitching guru. So sure. There's some things that need to improve there. Got to get out of your own way. Now on the bright side, you've got some relief coming up on the schedule. You've already played two of the tougher teams in the conference in their series, and now you get it a little bit easier. So uh, this weekend is non-conference, Lamar and uh, Pacific coming to Norman. Um, that should be should be able to win all three of those. Should yep. should do that. That should, should. be the standard. <laughs> should. We saw them <laughs> lose to New Orleans. Um, and then you've got uh, the two worst teams in the conference after that, KU and Kansas State. So some time for OU to get right, to get some momentum, to get the bats hot, to get the pitching in order. Um, you know, you're not going to go perfect against that entire stretch most likely, but, um, you know, boost that resume, boost the RPI with some road wins. Uh, and then you'll have, you know, some tougher, uh, chances again against Texas tech and TCU, West Virginia's playing really good baseball right now. So you'll have some opportunities there at the end of the year to come back and say, Hey, we can break through. We can win one of these series that we're supposedly not supposed to, but Adam, enlighten me a little bit. And and as I've noted multiple times in this podcast i don't follow baseball pretty much at any level why are we playing texas tech in a non-conference weekday game i see it as just an rpi builder okay um same reason that we play osu in a i mean sure. well not exactly the same reason that we play osu in a non-conference game but yeah yeah i mean that's another opportunity for the fans for the city of tulsa um i think that game should be played four to five times a year in, in my opinion, in Oklahoma state. And so Texas tech is just another one. Meet them in Amarillo. Um, it's good for Texas tech fans. It's good for OU fans in Amarillo. We saw the sooner caravan caravan is making a stop out there. So um, it's a brand new ballpark and the double a affiliate of the diamondbacks out there now. So I think it's just an exciting way to, to, to get a resume builder because you can only get so much RPI boost from playing oral, oral Roberts and Wichita state. Um, Dallas Baptist this year is actually really solid, but that's typically your midweek game that sure. is going to be RPI builder. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's why I see that. Fair that enough. Happening, so yeah. there you go. Uh, it's time for my Adam's optimism segment. <laughs> I think I've been fairly optimistic about baseball in this segment. It's been, yeah. you know, uh, the team has shown that they can do some really good things, but I think just looking at the big 12 standings now, OU's sitting at six right now. They do have a currently a losing record four and five in the conference, but you really only played the two toughest teams in uh, yep. Oklahoma state and, and Texas Baylor. You got the, the two and one series win there. OU has actually not swept a big 12 opponent since 2019. If that tells you anything, but great. I but I'm okay with it. Take that with a grain of salt, right? Cause 2020 was probably the best baseball team. 2020. It would have happened. Yeah. 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 It would have happened. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that too. COVID. So, but at the same time, it still didn't happen. So yes, it's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, just looking at the Big 12 standings, West Virginia is actually at the top right now. It's kind of hard to gauge sure. the entire standing simply because there's only nine baseball teams. Iowa State does not play baseball. So every team, every week, one team is playing an off-conference game. So you don't have even records across the board. Mm-hmm. So as it stands today, West Virginia is at the top. But I think there's teams right there next to you like Texas and uh, in Oklahoma State that are, you know, you could potentially pass them in the standings after already having played them. So I, I, you've got an, an easy schedule coming out, you know, the softer schedule here to, to round out the month. So I like where OU is right now after playing two of the really tough series, going four and four against, uh, yeah, against uh, OSU and, and Texas. I guess they didn't go, it'd be, uh, they split that. Yeah, so two and six, yeah. I think that's that's decent. Like I'll, I'll take it. Could have been a lot better, but I think OU sits in good standings right now. And I think if you get into that fifth spot of the Big Twelve, I think you feel pretty safe about getting into the tournament. Yeah. S- still would like to have a lot more. I don't know if that necessarily secures Skip Johnson's job, but it's the first step. It's the first yeah. step. So. 
Well, let's transition to someone who wasn't, uh, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament last year, and that's over in men's basketball. Uh, Adam, shocking news this week. Did not see this coming. Um, Elijah Harkless now in the transfer portal after I believe just a few weeks ago saying, posting on Twitter that he was sticking around. John Rostein tweeted out that Elijah Harkless goes coming back. Any thoughts outside of just clearly a bag being dropped um, that he's now in the portal? And I mean, it doesn't seem likely that you would say everything you did, then go to the portal and then come back to Norman, right? So it wasn't a shock to me that this happened. It was a shock who took this action because I had mentioned Jalen Hill several times. Like he should be a guy, in my opinion, if I was him, I'd be looking around going, Hey, UCLA. Hey, maybe not UNLV because that's a little bit of a step down, but I think there's other teams out there that have final four potential that could use a role player or a solid guy with a ton of experience to come in and, and fill a spot. Maybe that's what Harkless does. I think there's rumors that USC is where he's potentially going to land. And they were a top 25 team, I think sure. for, for some of the year last year, but yeah, it, it's weird. I guess the way I look at it is, are we, and we have a different perspective as football fans first. We're not a feeder team sure. as OU, unless it's a guy that just doesn't work out here. But is basketball, is basketball more of that? I, thought, yeah. Like we're, could be. yeah, like we're kind of middle level. I'm trying to think of like what the football equivalent of us would be in basketball. Like, hmm. that's a really good point. Um, trying to think of someone who's consistently solid, but like not not ever in. Not won't say how about how about like Michigan State? Like Michigan State in football, they could be really good. They could miss a bowl game at the same yeah. time. Like that's kind of yeah. It's not a perfect analogy, but that's kind of what OU basketball is. Like the the ceiling is high, but it's not always realized. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was even going to say maybe even like a TCU, um, you know, yeah, that's good. I mean, they, they competed for a big 12 titles a few years back. Um, yeah. we're, we're top 10 and in the midst of that, I mean, if they beat us in the big 12 championship, I think they've got a legit shot to go to the playoff that year. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to put it. I mean, we're, I don't think we're ever going to be consistently battling the blue bloods, um, you know, and being on that sort of level. Um, but we could rise up. Like we can have that year here and yeah. there every couple of years. And I think we should, Yeah, like we should have some, some senior teams that are, are doing that, but, and maybe, maybe the whole Elijah Harkless thing is not related to this at all. Maybe there is a bag that's being dropped. Sure. I can't imagine paying that much money for Elijah Harkless. <laughs> dude, can, dude can defend. He can be pretty solid offensively. I think he's a really, really like, he's not, he shouldn't be. I think that was kind of the problem with him is, is, is he's not, he can't be your number one go-to player. No. And I think that's what he kind of was to OU this year, but he can be your three or four. And if he's your three or four, that's pretty solid um, yeah. because he can do it on both ends of the floor. So he's going to be a good pickup somewhere. And obviously this is me assuming he ends up leaving Norman and you know moving on elsewhere. I, I agree with you. It does sound like USC is kind of the target, but um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Porter's got his hands full. Um, one, one thing that makes me wonder though, and you kind of mentioned, you know, we could have a, a few, senior older teams that make a run that may not be doable anymore i mean like the, no the days i mean buddy ryan isaiah jordan woodard all like veteran guys that made the final four run like things have changed since then the transfer portal just allows people to hop out and go and so you do wonder why i think all of those guys were very much connected to the brand and the fact they were all there together probably would have withheld them from any of them looking to the portal or anything like that but you don't think somebody would have dropped a bag for, for buddy to, to transfer up to somewhere else. Um, you know, so I just, I think that's kind of in a, in a scenario where it, like it really hurts programs like OU that kind of need that, that core group together for a few years to make a legit run to a final four. Those days may be gone. I think you need some stability in the program first. And I think yep. that will somewhat return. And maybe you still have one position like, Oh, Hey, we need a point guard. Jordan Goldwire come on down sure. and he can be more of what his role was at Duke versus trying to be the guy that mm -hmm. he was trying to be at the end of the year, uh, which kind of brings up Mo Gibson, actually still no word on what he's going to do. I think he's just going to quietly slip off and start learning Italian or Spanish or something I like that. So. Yeah. But I mean, do you think this Elijah Harkless news changes anything or 
adds doesn't probability. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I don't know that necessarily hurts, but it doesn't help. I mean, if you could, if you could have kind of rounded that team together and everybody's saying, Hey, we're back. Like we're committed to this. That certainly helps the conversation, but no, I'm with you. I think he's, I think he's an overseas player next year. Um, but one, one name that had popped up this week. Um, I'll be honest, Adam kind of out of nowhere to me, uh, Joe, I'm going to really try to say this one. Um, Bam Eisel, Is that how you're pronouncing it? Bam Eisel? I, Bam- I don't know. Bam Eisel? I'm not sure. That's what we're going with. Yeah, sophomore yeah. out of George Washington. I believe this is his second transfer. Am I reading that correct? So he actually has to apply for a waiver in order to play next year. <laughs> he does, which makes it really interesting. I mean, that's such a gamble. You might have a guy yeah. sitting on your bench that averaged, I think, 16 points at George Washington. So, and again, that's you know a mid-major to a power conference. How does that really translate? We've seen, we've seen some. I don't know if we've had, I want to say mixed success, but I don't know if we've even had success necessarily from that in the last couple of years. Fair. So yeah. um, another name that's come up that is, I think, down to his final four is Tyreek Key, the uh, Indiana State transfer that um, sat out with injury, but certainly has some talent. I think he's considering us alongside Texas Tech and Tennessee and maybe uh, maybe someone else. But he's a guy that played against Porter Moser quite a bit in the Missouri Valley Conference um, and when he was at Loyola. So Knows him pretty well. Um, Porter knows his game really well. He, yeah. That can uh, only help us as far as, hey, we know the evaluation is pretty solid. If Porter thinks this guy is, is good enough to play, you know, at yeah. the OU level, that that gives me a little bit of um, a little bit of hope there. But yeah, it feels like this is going to be a patchwork quilt type of team again next season. And man, you, you just hope that hey, CJ Nolan, uh, Bijan Cortez, some of these younger guys that are going to be around for maybe a few more years, they can kind of start standing out and saying, Hey, this is our team and we're starting to take over and the recruiting can improve as a part of that because yeah, I don't think these transfers are, are necessarily going to do it. Um, no, as far as what this team needs to achieve. Not if you're transferring transfer, uh, not for identifying transfers that are older guys. I mean, I get it. If you can find guys who have a ton of upside that have two to three years left, realizing like the odds of them transferring again are little. And that way you can start building that foundation you're talking about. But I agree. It'll be a very interesting off season and, uh, and even heading into next year for men's basketball. Let's transition over to uh, some national title contenders real quick. Women's gym down in Fort Worth, uh, part of the national championship week, which is the 14th through 16th of this week. Um, what is crazy, Adam, I think I mentioned on a podcast a couple weeks back, the women's gym team has either been first or second in five of the last six national championships. I think winning three of those, two of them, I think two. And they tied for one, I think. Um, and so unreal what KJ Kindler's done in Norman, um, obviously having the opportunity to host basically in your backyard uh, down in Fort Worth. ton of OU fans are going to be there. Uh, semifinal for them, number one, um, at noon central time against number four, Utah, who I believe has beaten them already this season. Number yep. five, Alabama, who I think OU has beaten already this season. Uh, and then Minnesota as well, which I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I haven't memorized their schedule. Uh, and they're number eight. So, <laughs> it'll, you know, OU, I think one thing we mentioned a few weeks back when we considered the wins of this team, and the losses of this team, if they don't come out and perform well, they will not make it to the Super Six. That, I think that's it's so competitive right now in women's gym. But they also, you know, they've got the ability to, to skate by all these teams and, and win another national champion. So, it's going to come down to who's hot on these uh, these two days, final days competition, and be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, when I looked at the notes here, my initial thought was if OU finishes as runner-up again, I think that will make either two or three years in a row uh, of, of that. I started thinking, man, has, has this team lost it? But then I, I quickly said, that's crazy to even <laughs> say that or think yeah. that um, because finishing second is a huge accomplishment it is it is so different. It's hard to measure, you know, in football, that would be absolutely insane yeah. in gymnastics. It's I don't want to say easy, but a little bit easier simply because there's not as many programs out there. Sure. Um, especially, you know, some that are not as well resources. as OU. you've got Texas women's university, you've got university of Denver, you've got a lot of smaller schools that don't have the same types of, um, athletic departments behind sure. them. So, um, yeah, I would say get to second, anything less I think is below, the bar no pun intended but uh but yeah it gets a second at least maybe and so you've... but then we, they lost two regular season meets this year and but they did beat number one michigan they um, did so that's, so... What I'm, that's what i'm saying though it's, it depends on who shows up 
because this team has potential to beat anybody and they could lose in this first semifinal. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Um, I guess also happening at the same time will be the, the men's program, which is competing in the Lloyd Noble center, a little bit unusual. Usually, uh, they're at the field house, but this is an NCAA qualifier event. So, um, they're competing this weekend, uh, against, uh, multiple teams, but, um, very patriotic, uh, lineup here. You've got air force, Navy and army all competing, uh, in the qualifiers. And I was accused of hating the troops a couple of weeks ago when air force came in town for baseball. So I, I salute all the, uh, all the, uh, the military there that's competing. They have some great gymnastics programs, so props to them. But I think OU is the number two seed right now. So I think they should be able to take care of business and hopefully have a chance to avenge the loss that they, they took recently to number one Stanford. Uh, and hopefully take take a national championship home. So, yeah, this would be the fourth one they've uh, if they are able to win it this year. Fourth one they've won in the LNC. So it, there's some magic happening in the LNC whenever the men's gym is competing for a national championship. If only we could get that magic to transfer to uh, men's basketball. <laughs> Literally any other sport. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, or hey, put a put a wrestling duel over there. Uh, wrestling yeah. could could sure use some magic. So. Um, Man, we don't we don't get too too deep in the weeds on wrestling or even gymnastics too often, but got to mention them when they're when they're doing well, especially here at the end of the season when they have a chance for some championships. So um, that'll do it, I guess, for for this week, and we'll be back next week, hopefully in full force with a uh, spring game preview. I'm sure there'll be a lot of co- lot to cover there. So appreciate everyone listening, and if you aren't a subscriber, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can follow us there on Twitter, the Mainline Pod. And then also on our YouTube page, um, we got a lot of views on last week's video. So go subscribe to us there. We'll have some of the video segments up from the podcast. If you like a little shorter version or just want to see all of our beautiful faces and, and facial expressions as we go, you can find us on YouTube as well. So appreciate everyone listening and we will see everyone again next week on the Mainline Podcast.